This morning's reading is taken from John chapter 1, um, 1 through 3, and 10 through 12. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. You may be seated. Testing one, two, three. Okay, there we go. First Sunday of Advent, and Christmas is just ahead. What are we hoping to get this year? Well, it could be a Fitbit, a remote control drone, new Xbox, iPhone 6S, iWatch, or how about a 70-inch, 4K TV. Well, I don't want to bring, bring bad news, but you'll probably end up with a pair of socks, a scarf, and maybe a wireless handkerchief. <laughs> Christmas is a time of disappointment. In fact, it was that way from the very beginning. It says that he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. What went wrong? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather as your people and to open your word and to learn the truth of what has taken place and what you are doing in our lives today. And we just thank you that you will give us this Christmas season, a greater appreciation of your unspeakable gift. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. Some years ago, Philip Yancey wrote a short article in Christianity Today entitled, The Jesus We Didn't Get. And it inspired me to do what eventually turned out to actually be a 12-part series on how we struggle with our disappointments with God. It's a problem that I've dealt with throughout my ministry from time to time, and so many Christians have to deal with this. Christmas, I think, really sharpens the focus of what that disappointment looks like. 
Yancey began by describing the Jewish Passover meal, where there, there would always be an empty chair. In their tradition, they set a place for Elijah. We began the service today singing about Elijah. Because Elijah symbolized the highest hopes of the Jewish people for a savior. Someone sent by God to deliver them from their enemies. Elijah personified their greatest expectations. Yancey writes, Elijah represents the longing for a type of Messiah that the Jews did not get. And for Christians too, Elijah represents what we think we want in a Messiah. We desire for God to act today as he did in the time of Elijah. And that's very true when you think about it. Because Elijah was one of the superheroes of the Old Testament. He was a fearless prophet who boldly rebuked corrupt politicians. He effectively exposed the futility of false religions. He put the villains in their place. And although he was not able to leap a tall building at a single bound, he was able to outrun a speeding chariot. And you talk about signs and wonders. Elijah commanded fire to fall from the heavens before a live audience. Elijah could have, could have had his own Vegas pyrotechnic show. Now the Bible also tells us that Elijah's prayers were powerful and effective. In fact, his intercessions resulted in major climate change. Because of Elijah's prayers, it didn't rain for over three years. And that was a judgment called because it was to teach the skeptics a lesson. And isn't that exactly what we need today? Some powerful proof of God's sovereignty? O come, O come, Elijah, and ransom captive Israel. The Jews were passionately longing for a sequel to Elijah's dynamic ministry. So when John the Baptist appeared as a voice crying in the wilderness, there were rumors about the return of Elijah. Unfortunately, with John, there were no signs and wonders. Later, when Jesus began his public ministry, people wondered if he might be the worthy successor. But those great expectations dissolved into disappointment because Jesus of Nazareth was no Elijah. He fell short in a number of key areas. For one thing, Elijah was a very efficient problem solver. And if you got on his good side, he would do all kinds of things for you. For example, when his landlady ran out of food during the famine, he provided a miraculous supply of oil and flour that continued to replenish for years. And later, when her only son died, he took control of the crisis and performed a resurrection. Was anything too hard for Elijah? Now, of course, Jesus also solved problems, and his miracles were amazing, including the raising of the dead. But Jesus did not seem to make life easier for those who counted on him. Often it became more difficult. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he said to his followers, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. Later in that chapter, verses 57 and 58, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have holes and, and the birds of the air have nests. 
for the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. No wonder there were so many dropouts and deserters among his followers. And even John the Baptist became profoundly disappointed. It just didn't add up. Evil was still winning. In Matthew chapter 11, when John heard in prison what Christ is doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? I I was expecting something different, something more like Elijah. In the midst of dangers and death threats, Elijah seemed to have a force field that protected him. Even during the famine years, God sent ravens to feed him while he was out in the desert. And there was Jesus in his wilderness experience where he went without food for 40 days, but no ravens came. You see, Jesus claimed no special exemption. He did did not have diplomatic immunity from trials and tribulations. The Bible says he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Now, saviors are not supposed to be like that. They're not supposed to be vulnerable. They're more like Elijah. He was an in-your-face zealot. Any who opposed them put their lives in peril. On one occasion when he was outnumbered 850 to 1, Elijah single-handedly defeated the royal false prophets and then ordered their execution. On another occasion, 50 soldiers were sent to arrest him. But their corpses were scorched beyond recognition when Elijah called on fire from heaven. Now, this fire from heaven thing, how come nobody does that anymore? Yancey writes, nobody messed with Elijah. Children love hearing stories about him because he sounds like the Terminator. And then there's Jesus. He didn't get rid of Herod or the Romans. Instead, he he talked about loving your enemies. What? Jesus refused to retaliate. He was no Iron Man or Captain America. When his disciples had been ridiculed in a nearby village, they requested some good old-fashioned fire and brimstone to teach those mockers a lesson, just like Elijah would have done. But Jesus refused to exercise the revenge option. And later, when he was ambushed in Gethsemane, he didn't call for backup, although squadrons of assault angels were on standby alert. 1 Peter Chapter 2, verse 23 says, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. John the Baptist had a point. Are you the one? Or should we expect someone else? Unlike Jesus, Elijah was a showman. I mean, remember that main event on Mount Carmel? That head-to-head showdown between the old-time religion of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the New Age spirituality of Baal worship? That public spectacle provided absolute proof about the reality of God. There was no question about who was in charge. That was evidence that demands a verdict. God's power was so clearly seen in Elijah's life. 
And then afterwards, when he prayed, the drought came to an end. In fact, in the ensuing rainstorm, Elijah, on pure adrenaline, outran a chariot in a 17-mile race without Red Bull or steroids and no stuntman. There was proof. That's the kind of proof people want to see today. Clear evidence that God exists. We need a convincing demonstration of his power. Show us a sign. And that's what they kept asking Jesus to do. And although he performed many miracles, there was still much lingering doubt because for some strange reason, Jesus refused to provide absolute irrefutable proof. Instead, he claimed that only a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign. And so his ministry was more controversial than conclusive. He raised more questions than he answered. People were often left bewildered. Heated debates were provoked by most of his sermons. The public was left wondering, are you the one? Or should we expect someone else? I mean, it would have been so easy. He could have jumped off the temple's parapet. He could have turned stones into bread. Instead, Jesus camouflaged himself in mystery and he used parables and metaphors to arouse curiosity, the kind that would only lead honest seekers gradually towards the truth. Yancey writes, Jesus resisted Satan's temptations towards a more dazzling style. He did not call on rescuing angels and he died listening to skeptics' taunts. What kind of a savior is that? Jesus allowed his enemies to humiliate him and to torture him on the cross. Nothing like that ever happened to Elijah. In fact, he didn't even die. His dramatic departure was in a fiery chariot, a nonstop express flight right into heaven. You talk about a real Hollywood ending. What a way to go. That's the kind of savior people want. Someone who's invincible, not one who is helpless, like a lamb led to the slaughter. What good does that do? No wonder it says that he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. They did not receive him. They were expecting something else. The idea of Jesus as the Messiah was simply impossible to the Jewish mind. Elijah was a much better candidate. In fact, in the end, they even preferred Barabbas. Almost anyone was better qualified. Isaiah concludes he was despised and he was rejected. Yancey writes, Elijah represents what we want in a savior. We want someone to protect us from harm and offer an escape route around life's messiest problems. That's the kind of savior we all want. But that's not what we got. That's why so many have struggled with disappointment 
And so many have repeated the question that John the Baptist asked, are you the one? Or should we expect someone else? If only Jesus would have been more like Elijah, it would have done wonders for his reputation. But then again, thank God that Jesus wasn't like that. Thank God that we did not get another Elijah. Because for all of his heroics, despite all the fireworks and legendary superhuman feats, Elijah's ministry had a limited impact on his backslidden generation. That's because signs and wonders only have a short-term effect. And when Elijah finally realized that his best efforts hadn't ended the reign of terror, his own faith faltered. After boldly defying the pagan priests, Elijah ran out of adrenaline and faith, and he just crashed. Overwhelmed by fear, he ran for his life from the threats of the angry evil queen. And then as he reviewed his life, Elijah concluded that he had failed. And he asked God for permission to die. He had fallen into the sinkhole of despair. Quite frankly, we do not need another Elijah. That's why God took the risk of disappointing us by sending us Jesus. God didn't send us the one we wanted. He sent us the one we needed. Not Elijah, but Jesus. You see, it was Jesus who succeeded everywhere that Elijah failed. When Jesus was tested, he did not despair. He humbled himself and said, not my will, but thine be done. When he faced his enemies, Jesus did not strike them dead. Instead, he showed us how to overcome evil with good. When his disciples deserted him and Judas betrayed him and Peter denied him, Jesus did not give up. When even his father had to forsake him on the cross, Jesus did not feel sorry for himself. He died in triumph and said, it is finished. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. Although Elijah's departure was spectacular and impressive, it provides absolutely no comfort to us in our time of grief. It is Christ's death and resurrection that gives us hope and the assurance of eternal life. Christ is the one who showed us the way to the Father's house, that it's through the valley of the shadow of death. And now we can say thanks be to God who gives us the victory, not through Elijah, but through our Lord Jesus Christ. And although Jesus did not improve our circumstances, he did save us from sin and hell, which are our two biggest problems. And if he can solve our biggest problems, we can trust him with all the others as well. Yes, Elijah is the savior that we want, but Jesus is the savior that we need. Even in the present darkness of this terminal generation, what we need is not Elijah's fire. We need the warmth of Christ's love. 
He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Let's pray. Lord, what a marvelous gift you gave us. Far more than we could ever expect. Exceeding abundantly above anything we could think or imagine. That you would give us Jesus. Your only son. That you would expose him to all the risks and hazard of life here on earth. In fact, that he would be so vulnerable and that ultimately he would suffer the very worst so that we could be saved and have eternal life. So Lord, we thank you for sending us not the one we wanted, but the one we needed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. have heard, here we go, have a moment of silence to, just to reflect on what we've heard. Thank God that he gave to us the Savior that we needed. And then, or interrupt, but we'll have a moment of silence for the, um, for the tree. People have um, attached to the tree some things that we are praying for. And it's without knowing them, you can pray for them. Pray that, um, that the needs are on the tree, that God would respond.